0: This is Dan Fagella and you're listening to the AI in Business podcast. I've got a bit of an announcement. We're going to be doubling up our podcasts every week from now until at least the end of July. I'm going to be publishing at least two episodes per week from now through the end of July. People are trapped at home. They want to learn. Uh, We're getting more questions from podcast listeners. We're also getting requests from our growing list of Emerge Plus members who are asking for different kinds of topics. So here's how it's going to work, what you can expect in the months ahead, and I think this should be pretty exciting. On Tuesdays, and we may include other weekdays as well, but on Tuesdays, we're going to be covering an episode about AI use cases and AI ROI. So looking at different ways to apply AI, different areas where AI is making its way into business, and how we can measure its value. That's going to be every Tuesday. We may include some Mondays and Wednesdays as well. Every Thursday, we're going to do an episode called Making the Business Case. And Making the Business Case is going to be all about how to actually adopt artificial intelligence. If we're an internal innovation or strategy leader, selling AI to our boss. If we're a consultant or an AI vendor, selling AI into an enterprise. How do we actually make the case for AI? How do we show the the return on investment in a deeper way? How do we talk through the AI deployment roadmap to be able to sort of convince leadership that this is the right move? How do we structure the business case? We're going to be covering that every single Thursday, talking about different themes from AI readiness to selling AI to AI strategy. These will be the insights you need to be able to make a strong business case for artificial intelligence in the enterprise. I know a lot of our listeners run consulting firms or run AI vendor companies and are interested in these insights. And many of you are also working within big companies where you've got to be able to make the argument internally. And for either of those crowds, the Thursday episode is going to be a can't miss. So every Tuesday, we're going to talk about use cases and return on investment. And every Thursday, we're going to talk about making the business case, really getting the wheels turning within a large company. This week, we're going to be covering use cases. This is a Tuesday. Uh, this week, we interview Priya Rajagopalan. Priya is the chief product officer at Four Kites. Four Kites has raised over $100 million to bring artificial intelligence into logistics and supply chain. As you can imagine, uh, if you raise $100 million, I'm going to expect you to have some pretty good insights when it comes to where AI is making its way into logistics. And Priya does a good job of doing Just that. She talks about where the AI opportunities are within logistics now, as well as how to fight through the kludge of data. Logistics is behind the times when it comes to how data is organized, how it's leveraged and used fruitfully. It's so custom and bespoke and clunky. How do we battle through that to actually get some predictive value? Priya does a good job of summarizing that. If you're interested in logistics, I should throw it out there. One of the benefits of being an Emerge Plus member is you get access to our AI white paper library. Many of those white papers, literally nobody else gets access to. The latest of these is artificial intelligence and the future of supply chain. We talk about three critical trends. It is a PDF download just for Emerge Plus members. It's one of a dozen that you get in the AI white paper library. We're adding new ones every single month. To learn more about Emerge Plus, to learn more about our use cases, our white paper library, and our best practice guides for deploying AI, check out emerj.com slash p1, that's p as in plus, emerj.com p1, and check out that white paper. You can hop right in and download it as soon as you get in on your first month of Emerge Plus. Without further ado, we're going to fly right in. This is Priya with Four Kites here on the AI and Business Podcast. So, Priya, where I wanted to start off with us here is just around where artificial intelligence is making its way into the supply chain today. If we freeze time, everybody's got dreams about where things are going, and we're gonna get to that. We freeze time today and we say, where is AI fitting in to the big complex processes and supply chain? How would you summarize that?
1: Yeah, so I think today AI is very much part of the digital transformation of the logistics industry, right? The logistics industry has been going through this transformation and I think AI is having a huge impact in a few different ways. Uh, so you have, for example, you know, a set of intelligence applications uh, that are transforming transportation and warehousing. Right, everything from demand sensing to predicting shipment arrival times and the corresponding impact on inventory levels, uh, driving then availability to customers. And so there are many companies doing exciting things in this space. And you know, our company is one of them that play in this space. There are other applications that I think are super interesting, like autonomous vehicles, right? Uh, robotics in warehouses and manufacturing. The robotics thing, I think, is even today uh, starting back with the robotics applications of a, you know, even a decade ago, people were really skeptical about this concept of yeah. robots running around in warehouses. Yes, uh, but I, I, I think. You know, those those have proven to be absolutely transformational, right, uh, from Kiva, from the days of Kiva, which got acquired by Amazon to, to all the tech that exists now. You've got the NLP applications, right, chatbots. I think we've all seen applications of, you know, text and voice, right, conversational AI. But what I think is really cool there, you know, we've all had these really pleasant experiences of You know, I've certainly been pleasantly surprised, right, with Lyft and Uber and the whole, you know, when you say, hey, I want to report an issue and how nicely the AI robots handle it. But I'll make a plug for a public service one that I came across recently, which is really the surprisingly the Chicago Park District, which seems huh. to have a conversational AI system that just hits it out of the park. Right. Perfect responses. Right. No long pauses. Very contextual. So, my point is that right from it's not just the startups that are investing a ton in this space that have smart AI, but it's transforming all aspects of consumer experience. And certainly within the supply chain world, right, it is about being able to identify, because if you're anyone that has a job in supply chain, then your world tends to be a series of, you know, frequently, right, fire drills. And so, uh, where yes. I think AI can play a big part uh, in simplifying or improving that that uh, user's world is by identifying the things they need to care about proactively. And so, that is where we see we see impact, right? Then you've got, of course, the Speaking of proactivity, you know, the computer vision pieces where they can detect problems in conveyor systems, right, warehouse accidents, security breaches, all of these along the lines of vision can be, again, identified before damage is done. Uh, so I think there's all of these pieces are actually, you know, and I'm sure I haven't listed all of them, but there's there's many ways in which AI has already transformed the supply chain. So we're living, and uh, we're living in a very exciting world right now. Yes,
0: you brought up, oh man, there's, there's so many things you you kind of touched on and we can dive into a little bit of all of them. You know, when we look at supply chain from a market research perspective and we look at the capabilities being enabled there, there certainly is the physical world stuff, right? I mean, Amazon has thrown their countless billions at the warehouse robotics game and, and that sort of made it so that there's now a bit of urgency around figuring out how that Function. So robots for kind of picking and packing or carrying things across the warehouse, whatever the case may be. Obviously, robotic dexterity is still really hard, but there's all kinds of interesting use cases around moving things within warehouses. There's the computer vision side. So maybe finding items or inventory or, or something along those lines. And then there's just sort of like what we see anyway is the general sort of aggregation of data in this space. So we've got trucks going all over the place. We've got orders coming in and out. We've got orders that fail and and don't make it on time and orders that do make it on time. There's another kind of category where it's just pooling that kind of otherwise, I don't know, ugly, stodgy, older data together and being able to say, what is predictive here? What's useful here? Can we manage this a bit more proactively. We tend to see that that sort of data world at least today getting the most funding the most companies etc. I don't know if you would concur you know when you compare that to the robotics world autonomous vehicles vision but that that's kind of what we see what are what are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah obviously um that world that you speak of, right, of, you know, this this set of intelligence applications that aim to transform through using data intelligently or cluding systems together, right, that layer that sits on top. I have the sense as well that, that that is a space that is getting a lot of interest right now. I would agree with you, right? There's applications playing at uh, different levels of the stack, right? I mean, five years ago, a company like ours didn't, Literally, the space didn't exist, right? We are you know, four yeah, kinds of, yep. focused on real-time visibility, like right? we track billions of dollars worth of freight moving across the globe in real time. And then what we're aiming to do is provide intelligence across the ecosystem, right? And, and the kind of things that we can do today, we obviously could not do on day one, right? And yeah. uh, much of that is possible because of the size of the network today, our network today. And the, just the amount of data we have at any given time passing through the system, right? So that then allows us in turn you know, to give back, if you will, to the system, right? What lanes have the most congestion today? What facilities have the greatest dwell? What loads are likely to be impacted by bad weather? So for example, right, we can tell a carrier, hey, if you're going to get to this Walmart facility at 3 p.m. on a Friday, you're going to wait for six hours versus get there by 10 a.m. And you're going to be in and out in 90 minutes. That's incredibly valuable, not just to that carrier, but to the ecosystem as a whole, right? Because that dwell time term, you know, frees the carrier up then to obviously get put back in the system and they can then go on to carry more loads, right? So I I think there was this recent study by the TPA, the Trade Partner Association, that showed that just dwell, reducing dwell systematically across the industry would result in 2 to 4% extra transportation capacity, which may not seem like much, but is is tremendous yeah. in terms of the value it creates. So yeah, absolutely. I think that there is just that layer of intelligence when applied in a way that can result in creating value for the industry as a whole, right? Versus for that particular shipper or carrier.
0: Yeah. And, and you know, when I, I guess just, just hear you talking and, and looking at the whole vendor landscape in this space, you know, when we talk about, gathering this intelligence across all these different nodes of all all our, you know, transporting vehicles and all of our orders and delivery times and arrival times and and what's being shipped and, you know, who paid what for what. It seems to me as though there's a lot of Different, probably a lot of different, varied, clunky data systems that different companies might use. Whether it's a Coca Cola, yeah. yeah, you're laughing because you know this better than me. So it's a, it's a Coca Cola. There's a Nike. There's a, you know, myriad companies in the world. You know, companies shipping plumbing products. I mean, who the heck knows, right? So the software systems, the homegrown stuff, the old, really old enterprise stuff, to be able to jack into that and get predictive value feels to yeah. me very, very hard. Talk a little bit about, I guess, how that nut is cracked, yeah. because it seems like it's so bespoke client to client that it's really tough to, to scale. What are your thoughts there?
1: Yeah, so I think absolutely, right, that is that is one of the big challenges. And I think it's part of why there is so much money going into the space, right, because there is a lot of value to be unlocked by bringing together these completely disparate systems. I'll give you a couple of simple you know, simple use cases, right? If you think about within supply chain, you can think about there's transportation and then there's warehousing as an example, right? Two important, equally important pieces of supply chain. But today it is really hard, right, for these systems to actually talk to each other. So, you know, if I talk about the systems in particular that are downstream from the order management system, which is the ERP, right, for um, the system of record for any enterprise company, you've got the transportation management system, the TMS, Then you've got the WMS, which is the warehouse management system. And typically, these systems don't necessarily talk to each other, right? There's different sets of information maintained in both. They may not even originate from the same vendor, and they're not talking to each other, just as an example, right? But what does that actually mean downstream? Well, it means, in very simple terms, for example, from where we sit, well, there's a warehouse that has a set of appointments they are tracking for the day this may or may not right which which basically says hey these trucks are going to deliver today and this the times that they're tracking may or may not align with necessarily the data that the transportation system is tracking right so now you've got the warehouse folks tracking different times and then you've got the real time aspect of it which is the carrier may not show up at the time that the warehouse is expecting it yeah. or that the transportation system has indicated it would show up. And so then there's a lot of value you're not unlocking, right? Because these guys at the warehouse are waiting for a truck to show up at noon, which in reality isn't going to get there until 5 p.m., right? That's that's the reality of it. Yeah. And so in the meantime, there's five other trucks that have gated in. but. If all these systems were talking to each other, and then you overlay that intelligence on top of it to be able to say, hey, well, guess what? This truck actually, uh, given that it is, you know, it is a Saturday and you know there's there's a football game happening today this this truck isn't even actually going to show up for the next 2 hours right because this route is going to be jammed or there's a weather hit or whatever what have you you can instead take in these three other trucks right and then to be able to predict that in advance communicate it across all systems there's a lot of value to be unlocked in bringing these disparate systems together and we're still talking about just one shipper now let's say that i take it across all the shippers in the industry, right? And when I say shippers, I'm just talking about large enterprises that ship a lot of freight, right? So it can be anyone from your you know, from your Procter & Gamble to, to your Walmart or Coca-Cola, as you mentioned, right? Any of these guys. There's capacity, again, that can be unlocked, right? Because maybe a Coca-Cola has a Houston to Dallas leg that they do every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, but there's a backhaul component where they might be traveling empty. A Coca-Cola may say, I'd like to share that capacity with another shipper on the network, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. pick one, you know, pick Nestle. But they yep. can't do that today because their two systems are completely disparate, oh, yeah. right? So there's oh, no yeah. way for them to execute this. So back to your point. So I think, you know, even within a shipper, there's tremendous amounts of value in just making all their systems interoperable, talk to each other and intelligently, right? When we say an integration, well, What action do we expect to perform because I connect the TMS and the WMS and what actions downstream can they take? And then you, uh, you know, so if you can abstract the complexity and allow these systems to talk to each other intelligently, and then you say, well, within the network, I'm actually going to connect shippers and receivers or just other shippers in the network. Again, everyone stands to gain, right? If they can collaborate in that way, and it all begins by being able to connect these systems, so yes, there's a there's a good reason I think why money is flowing into this space, and there's a lot of value to be unlocked.
0: One hundred percent. I think it's an exciting world, and it gets it gets less, I guess, play than let's say banking or e-commerce. But I think in terms of you know amount of dollars moving in the physical world, I mean logistics and supply chain is just such an opportunity area. I'll give you, so I want to wrap up on your idea of the future here, but I'm going to throw a little bit of a, maybe this is not cynical. I'm a, I'm a very much an AI believer, but when I look at the the supply chain ecosystem today, I basically say this, or I think this, I say, man, a lot of these platforms are really about just making sense of disparate data systems and just being able to see what the heck is going on across a couple of them. When I look at it, I say, Probably training algorithms for predictive value on these really clunky different systems would be kind of a lengthy process, particularly like with homegrown systems (laughs) somewhere or whatever, just really wild. And that ultimately, there could be a lot of low-hanging fruit value in just like dashboarding stuff that wasn't dashboardable. And that even in the near term, like that's value. So you might get a foot in the door by talking about predictive this and that. But functionally speaking, with all the barriers, man, if we can just plug stuff together and make the visuals somewhat understandable so we can make decisions that aren't stupid. It feels like that could be the ROI today, even before we can you know, predict exactly that it's 432, that this truck is going to get here or something. What are your thoughts there? I don't mean to be a cynic. I definitely believe in the transformation in this yeah. space. But I also look at it realistically today and I say, it feels like the dashboards are where a lot of the near-term value is. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, you know, I think it's a combination, right? Initially, when you have what is called the cold start problem, right, where I have no data about whatever problem it is I'm trying to solve, I think there is absolutely value in just saying, okay, let me let me actually present, make help you make sense of this data, and then over time, and you alluded to this, right? One of the things you need in order to build an algorithm or uh, really, you know. Apply machine learning, what you need is high quality data, right? That is not only clean, so no de- errors at the data level, but it's also structured and with fixed semantics, right? So the meaning of, for example, in my world, what is a delay doesn't actually change, right? And then you need the tech infrastructure to use the data, generate the insights, and present them actionably. So for this, well, you need the talent with the right skill sets. But then when you think about the output itself, coming back to your dashboards, right, it needs to be above all interpretable, right, and help with what I would think of as help a human make decisions, right, so they can understand the basis for an action or an output. You know, when do you go along with it? When do you actually override it, right? So the whole, how does it facilitate a human in the loop approach? So when plans are disrupted, for example, due to a weather event, whether that's a prediction or you know, something you're looking at, which is outside the operating parameters of any automated or AI planning process, a human agent has all the information they need to be able to step in and take action. So, yeah.
0: Got it. Okay, cool. And I think that's probably a good way to couch it for the folks who are tuning in. I appreciate you putting an umbrella over. The cold start problem, I think, is going to be so real, but but there's, you know, the, there's value even in that start, as you had mentioned, with even just that 2 to 4%, never mind everything else that could come on top of it. Final little thing, we can just throw a minute at this, is around the future. You know, we think about what's not quite possible with logistics and supply chain today, but that you're excited about as kind of the vistas that we're moving closer to, the zeitgeist that we're maybe stepping into in terms of where, where AI is going to transform supply chain. What are those futures that we're not there yet, but that you think we're getting closer to?
1: You know, I think fundamentally when you think about how Logistics has changed with AI, right? Overall, I think there is a faster, better, cheaper vector that is just running through logistics due to AI disruption, right? So we're more responsive to customers. There is less waste in the system. And I think I saw a Goldman Sachs study that said that AI will bring logistics costs down by at least five percent with you know additional profits of 25 billion over the next 10 years. But yeah, I think it's going to remake the ecosystem fundamentally and the labor markets that are involved in it, right? The poster child, I think, in this case is obviously autonomous vehicles, right? It will have a serious labor market disruption. It's upending the automotive sector. But again, right, where this is all going is that I think, you know, it gets really powerful when you can use data to identify the things that a user needs to care about. And I think we're going to continue to push more in, you know, more in that, in that direction, right? You know, fully automated high rack warehouses, right? With auto- autonomous vehicles navigating the aisles. I don't think that future is that is that far off, right? With vision playing a role, right? In coordinating both people and robots, right? Inventory, I just think, you know, inventory management is super exciting. And I think, you know everything that has to do what where AI can transform that right, the true sort of real-time inventory management, matching it to the ordering system, 3D printers playing a role. We we could have a lot of fun with this, but I I think many of these things are really n- not as offbeat of or off in the distant future as we might have thought of, thought about even if we had this conversation, let's say in 2015.
0: I would totally agree. Uh, you know, just the traction robotics is, is pretty exciting to see. And it's not it's not every day. I don't think that even for me, speaking in the B2B world, I hear many people say inventory management is tremendously exciting. But I got to say, I'm following your enthusiasm there. I do think that it's going to be a pretty interesting future. And hopefully some of what you've kind of brought to light here actually does come to light. I know we'll be tracking the space and you guys are going to be moving forward with the business as well. So I know that's all we have for time. But Priya, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of AI and Industry.
1: Thanks, Dan. It was a pleasure. Talk to you soon.
0: So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. Stay tuned for Thursday. Remember, I mentioned in the introduction here, every Tuesday or potentially other weekdays, we're going to be covering AI use cases and ROI in different sectors. And every Thursday, we're going to talk about making the business case for artificial intelligence. We've got an exciting episode about the business fit for artificial intelligence in a post-COVID world. At a strategy level, where do we want to fit in AI? And our interview this coming Thursday, that's in two days, uh, is with my favorite venture capitalist we've ever had on the show. Maybe I'm not allowed to pick favorites, but he's certainly one of my favorites. So I'm not going to tell you the name, but you're going to find out on Thursday and get some excellent perspective on where AI fits into the enterprise in a post-COVID world. Obviously, everybody's wondering how our technology strategies are adjusting, how our technology priorities are adjusting. And I think you'll get some tremendous perspective in this coming Thursday episode. So be sure to stay tuned in and look forward to catching you then.